Welcome to the Staying Ages podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about how to beat sugar cravings and overcome emotional eating. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys a few simple tips about kicking your sugar habit, and later we'll be talking with our amazing expert for today, Dr. Rowe. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show, so if today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Okay, y'all, this is another personal show for me. Why? Because I used to have a mean sweet tooth, okay? (laughs) Even though I was vegan, I was a junk food vegan at one point, and I was just all up in the vegan dessert section like I was getting paid to do it. (laughs) And beyond that, as I've mentioned in past shows and also on my social media, many years ago in my college years, I also struggled with emotional and binge eating. I put myself through therapy to deal with the issue and healed myself. I'm really, really grateful that I went through that experience because now as a nutritionist, it allows me to really, truly understand the psychology of eating disorders and understand what my clients are going through and meet them where they are if they are struggling with these problems. All right. Well, child, in case you didn't know, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar per day or 152 pounds of sugar per year. Yikes. New science proves that sugar is also biologically addictive. In fact, it's actually eight times more addictive than cocaine. It affects your brain chemistry, hormones, taste buds, and your metabolism. So if you have a crazy sweet tooth, it point blank means that you are likely addicted. But here are some things that I tell my clients or anyone who's trying to kick their sugar habit. First of all, let's start with increasing your intake of bitter foods. Most people don't know about this, but everywhere in the world, except for America, there are foods included in the daily diets that taste bitter. For instance, in my native culture in Nigeria, we have bitter leaves, and these are added to meals and also provide medicinal benefits. This is really important because not only is it the most metabolically active flavor, meaning it speeds up your metabolism to consume bitter foods, it also provides a balance to your palate that slowly but surely can help release an addiction to sugar. Some bitter foods you can include in your daily diet to help you are kale, arugula, artichoke, radicchio, chard, endive, watercress, bitter melon, dandelion greens, dark chocolate or cacao. And I'm not talking about Hershey's, okay? I'm talking about the real unprocessed cacao. Bitter herb liquid supplements um, are also really wonderful. The next thing I want you to try to do if you're a sugar addict, if you are agreeing with me and your hand is raised right now and you were like, I am a sugar addict. The first step is admitting it. (laughs) The next thing I'm going to need you to do is take a whole entire break from sugar. Okay. This means ditching all forms of refined sugar, even refined flours, soda, sweetened juices, and restricting your daily intake for at least 21 to 30 days. During this time, you can use things like stevia or monk fruit, which won't provide a sugar response in your body to sweeten things if you must. But the reason why you want to do this 
is because taking a break is such a powerful way to recalibrate our palate. I personally went on a sugar-free kick last year because I realized that sugar is one of the fastest ways to age oneself. And after you do like a sugar break, after I did mine, everything felt like it was just super sweet. It was just like too sweet. Um, I, I didn't really realize how much sugar was lurking in some of the things that I ate every single day. So basically, it allows you to find a new normal. The next thing I want you to do is increase your intake of potassium-rich foods. Many people do not know that sugar cravings can actually be the result of a potassium deficiency or insufficient amounts of potassium in your diet. Some symptoms of low potassium include your blood pressure increasing, uh, muscle cramps, sugar cravings, constipation, high insulin, so this applies to diabetics, muscle weakness, anxiety, and sleeping problems. For diabetics or those on the cusp, this is really important to note because when you have enough potassium, the need for insulin does go down. The best way to get in enough potassium is to consume at least 6 to 10 cups of green leafy vegetables. You can do this really simply by getting in at least two really big salads per day. Also, you want to keep your stress low because actually when we're stressed out, our body naturally starts to deplete potassium. The next thing I want you to do is get enough sleep. I know it might not make any sense, but it's been proven that less than eight hours of sleep increases our hunger hormones and affects the hormones that affect our cravings. So when we're sleep deprived, our brain is literally actually just trying to get glucose back into our body by any means necessary. So what do we crave? More sugar, more flour, and then the cycle just keeps continuing. Last but not least, I also want you to find some substitutions. Remember that almost anything you consume that is unhealthy can be reimagined with whole food ingredients that do your body better. So find substitutions and experiment with recipes. If you need inspiration, many vegan and raw food recipes, also dessert recipes, use whole food ingredients instead of the traditional uh, white sugar as sweeteners. All right, y'all. (laughs) We're going to get ready to talk to our amazing guests, but I hope that these tips help you and give you some avenues to kick that habit. Get get off that. Get off that sugar crack, that crack rock. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Rowe. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited about our guest today. Today's guest is Dr. Rowe. She is a nationally known nutrition coach who has helped over one and a half million people lose more than six million pounds. She's the author of the book, Lose Your Final 15, and she hosts the podcast, Dr. Rowe On Demand. She's a TV host, an award-winning health reporter, and TV personality. She served as the nutrition coach of the Dr. Oz Show and medical advisory board for seven years, the Meredith Vieira Show for two seasons, Anderson Cooper's daytime TV show for two seasons, and she was a nutrition contributor to the National Public Radio, or NPR. She was also regular on the Today Show and CBS This Morning. She hosted Heart and Soul on BET and served as the medical correspondent to BET News. She's also been on Ebony Magazine's Power 100 list twice as one of Black America's most influential health voices in our community. She penned two columns, Get Fit 
and Health and Wellness for Ebony magazine. I am super excited to welcome Dr. Rowe, known as America's Nutrition Coach. All right, Dr. Rowe, thank you so much for joining me today. So we met at my graduation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, and so I kind of already know your story and like some of your background, which was really inspiring. But can you tell everybody what inspired you to become a nutrition coach, get into media and tie that all in with nutrition? What was the driving force for you? Well, I, I literally am nutrition everywhere I go. <laughs> so <laughs> anything that I do or anything that I was going to do for a living would definitely be a part of that. But I would say um, my family background is really um, the impetus to even studying nutrition because I lost my mother to stomach cancer when I was nine. Um, I lived in a community of black people. I grew up in Washington, D.C. when it was Chocolate City. Mm. So it was 80% black. <laughs> so everybody that I, I lived in a community that was all black. I went to all black schools. I went to, um, the city was controlled by black people. So um, it was a Mecca. <laughs> wow. And with, but with the Mecca comes, um, like my mother was from a small town in Virginia. So a Southern background mm-hmm. where people ate southern comfort foods just as a matter of course so um that was that was a big part of the reason that i studied nutrition the loss of my mother and then the diseases that were really related to diet that ran in my family you know like a common vine through my family tree if you did my if you saw my family medical tree which i did in my first book um 10 secrets to living healthy you would know you would see that there's hypertension, there's um, type two diabetes, there's uh, several forms of cancer, um, even heart disease. All those things in my family medical tree. So mm. um, that was one reason. And then I l- realized um, while writing that book, um, I was asked by my editor to go back and think about the first time I made the diet disease relationship. And I thought back to, you know, an experience I had as a second grader. I was seven. And um, I remember one of my classmates and I were playing on the playground. And he happened to mention that his his, his dad had his legs cut off. Those were his words. So, um, yeah, it meant his, his father was an amp- he became an amputee, you know, okay. and as a seven-year-old. You know, he's like, yeah, my daddy had to have his legs cut off. And I was horrified by the whole type 2 diabetes. And so when I ran into the house at the conclusion of our playtime, you know, I said to my mom, my mother, um, you know, Carl's dad had to have his legs cut off. Why would that be? He said, because of something called diabetes. And so she goes, oh, you know, oh, he's got a touch of sugar. And those people have to watch what they eat. <laughs> those people. Meanwhile, she was stirring up something really hot fat in a pot. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, cooking her collard greens and with some fat back or ham hocks <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? So there's that. And um, so I think, you know, the thing is, Black people, we see, we, we talk about disease and diet um, in a way that seems innocuous. Right. That, that it's just, oh, a touch of sugar. Like that sounds nice, doesn't it? Just a little touch of sugar. <laughs> you know, they, they sweeten it. So it's the fun, but they make it seem like it's harmless. And in fact, it's devastating. Right. You know, and it wreaks havoc all over our community and right. all throughout our community. 
So I, I think by the time I decided that I was going to try my hand at nutrition when I went to college, um, I, I did so because I realized by that point that not only did my family suffer, but my community suffered mm. and, and suffered from these diseases related to diet, you see, and lifestyle. And so because that was my impetus, it eventually led me to the point, if you fast forward in my trajectory, to the point at which now I've gone from doing local television to doing national television, nationally syndicated television, contributing to the Oz show for seven years, um, the Dr. Oz show, and then Meredith Vieira, and then Anderson Cooper. And before that, I was a regular contributor to NPR, to the Today Show, and to CBS This Morning. Then I realized at that point in my career, we're now at a point where this isn't a black problem. This is America. It's an American problem because mm-hmm. everybody, it doesn't matter, you know, which community you come from. If you live in America, chances are you're overweight or obese or you're headed for it. So, yeah. um, and your, yeah. And your diet disease relationship is colored by that. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I realized, so it led from my family to my community, to my country. Right. And right. there you have it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Huh. And I set out to help in all of those areas. I've wanted to help since I was born. So I, it's always been my intention to help. And so that is the reason and the way that I became, you know, um, that I do what I do today. Okay. That makes sense. Um, that's mm-hmm. a cool journey. So you mentioned obesity. This is a really huge global problem at this point. Basically, yeah. like everybody's malnourished, but they're obese, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. here's the thing that I feel like people struggle with because obsession with body image is still really rampant. And there's also mm-hmm. like a big movement for body positivity, right? Which is really important at the mm-hmm. moment because we also want to affirm people, you know, no matter where they are. How do we walk the line between wanting to lose weight and approaching it in an actual balanced, healthy way? So this is an excellent question because um, your timing could not be more impeccable. (laughs) (laughs) I literally just released a blog that I did. I wrote this blog like a year ago and I decided to put it out. I don't know why, why now, but I guess I didn't do it a year ago because I saw that there was an entirely different, an opposite point of view that was gaining a lot of steam. People were getting a lot of heat for it, however, so yeah. I should have put it out then. But anyway, the pop singer, Lizzo, is a mm. uh, perfect example, I think, of where this is going, right? And my blog is titled, Geico Gets It Wrong, Lizzo Gets It Right. And this is what this is what had happened. <laughs> um, this is after the VMAs. Uh, where she performed and had a really big moment last year. Remember that? So um, a lot of people started writing, and I mean, you know, pretty well-known people in the the fitness and and diet game, like uh, Jill Michaels, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Biggest Loser, uh, you know, called her out about being obese and blah, 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 and all that. And then a whole bunch of other people in the community started talking about it too, but negatively. Here's where I am on the whole body positivity issue. Yeah. Um, one, I don't think you can try, you can't reprimand somebody um, for something that you claim to help them with. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing. I mean, for me, um, 
my perspective is this. I, I believe in meeting people where they are. So as the coach, as the nutrition authority, I'm going to meet you where you are because my intention has always been, again, to help. So if I want to help you to change, I don't meet you by calling out something that I know is a sore spot for you in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? You don't have, fat people know they're fat. All right. You don't need to tell them that. Mm. What you, what, if you want to help them, though, if you want to help people to get out of the obesity lane and to do something that's going to be healthier for them, you meet them where they are. And the first thing you must do is have respect. Okay? Yes. You have to you have to meet people from a respectful manner and check your intention. So my intention, again, is to help. So I believe that, um, first of all, for this particular subset of women, women who are considered big bodied women, women who are be obese or morbidly obese, um, have the same value for me in, in terms of being a woman, being a human, as women who are thin or in any other size body. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, so let's, let's, let's have the conversation from that perspective. This is an issue of humanity first, and then we get to the health of humanity, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think for Black women especially, who have been marginalized, who um, consider themselves unseen, mm-hmm. because if you look at the, if you look at all the, 75% of a, of a woman's magazine is telling you everything that's wrong with you. Mm. And here's how we're going to fix it. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's not, it's really about marketing. It's not about your real life. Do you understand? Yeah. So for this group of women who have been, you know, marginalized, unseen, cajoled, and, you know, just have been just put down to have a woman emerge from that group to say, hey, um, you're going to love yourself in the body that you're in right now. That is the message for mm-hmm. me. That is really the message, because the truth is, no matter what size you are, if you're looking to lose weight, to cha- make some change to your body, your literal cells and DNA works with you if you come from a position of love. Yeah. But guess what? The opposite is true. If you don't love yourself, it's like you're not going to lose your thighs. You're not going to get a tight booty. You're not going to get tight, you know, tight glutes. That's not going to really happen for you as as quickly or as effortlessly or completely as it would if you loved yourself in the body that you're in right now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because because honestly, you're creating resistance also too yes. to the thing that you want. By having this anxiety. And I see it in my clients all the time, you know, just anxiety. And so I I agree with you. I think also, too, the reason why compassion is so important is because so many people are overweight for different reasons nowadays. I've had clients who literally went from normal to obese just because of specific drugs they were prescribed or yeah. they've had traumatic events and their adrenals shut down and then their thyroid shut down and then they, you know what I mean? So you just never know yeah. what somebody's going through. And I, I feel like it's very, um, it's, it's, it's better to be safe than to presume you understand what that person is going through. Hello, that's it right there. And the fact is trauma is a lot of things. So it looks a lot different in different people. Okay. Yes. It is, it is as varied as the people who've experienced trauma. And the fact is more people than you realize have experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk about trauma in relation to emotional eating. Since we're on the topic of emotional eating, I know that trauma can be a huge thing. Yeah, for for the clients that I coach, um, trauma is always at the center for the most part of mm. uh, of the disconnect in terms of a dysfunctional relationship with food. Right? Mm. Uh, it's not. It's not about. This is not, fixing this problem is definitely not about more carrots and celery. This is not a right. vegetables issue. This is a mindset issue, yeah. right? And so for, for the people who have suffered trauma, and trauma can be, you know, what, what some people might consider, oh, if someone talked down to you, if they, or, but if you felt marginalized, if you, if you were told that you, in, by word or deed, that you don't matter, mm. that's trauma. Yes. It's trauma. And that's like black people's lives every day. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, that is why black lives matter. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it goes from that all the way to being shot down un- unjustifiably in the street. But the point is, we have been traumatized since we've been in this country. Right. We have. And it has not stopped. So there's modern day trauma. So whether or not it's sexual or physical or verbal abuse, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it's everything. We're on the front lines just living. We're on the front lines just living our lives. Yeah. So what are some and things you that you... have to be mindful of that. No, I agree. What What are some things that you recommend for people? Because where where this gets interesting for me, um, and I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen this as well, is that when you get to the root cause of someone emotionally eating and you realize, oh my God, this person has serious trauma, then it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go from nutritionist to therapist or you need to refer them to someone. <laughs> so what are what are some I'm, things that people can do on a practical level in addition to perhaps seeing other people? My thing is, um, de- depending on the severity of the trauma, I'm your nutrition therapist. Rather than, you know, I've gone from referring to myself and my clients really have informed me of this. It's like, look, you're my therapist because we can't fix your dysfunctional relationship with food without dealing with the whole person. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't even believe in, I, I don't want to just hand people a diet. That's the reason why I, I went to graduate school because I found myself running behind patients in the hospital, handing them a piece of paper saying, do eat this and don't eat that. And they were just diagnosed with uh coronary bypass. They just had a four times coronary bypass graft and, and they had type two diabetes, and mm-hmm. they got cord- they had coronary artery disease, and this is how they're supposed to manage the rest of their life. It was a joke, right? Right. right. So I'm I'm therapist when I go into the relationship because I know whatever the issue is, if you by the time a person's like 40, 50 pounds overweight, this is not just about food anymore. Mm. And Lord, Lord, and Lord knows that we're talking about being more than 50 pounds overweight. No, this is this dysfunctional relationship that you have going on with food is. There's something else deeper than that that's at the root of it. And I'm always looking to get to that, mm-hmm. right? So I think practical tips for people um, who find themselves in that position. The first is acknowledge, you know, ask yourself, what am I really feeling in this moment? When you want to reach for, you know, the pint of ice cream or when you become upset, annoyed, if you're triggered, what, you know, the, the fact is, um, we got to figure out what, not, not necessarily, it's not, no longer is it about what you're eating It's now about what's eating you. And that, and that's what I want. That's where I'm going to start. And that's where I want you to start. So 
for me, the question is, you know, ask yourself, um, what am I feeling in this moment? People are walking around, um, not necessarily disregarding, but not being even aware of the feelings that they're carrying inside and Mm -hmm. the feelings and the beliefs that Mm -hmm. are inside them. You, You see what I mean? Yep. You, you can walk around and believe that you don't matter because somehow you have learned either actively or passively that you didn't matter from someone. You so, see what I mean? you know, that is deep. And that we actually like literally I just interviewed someone who's going to be on my next show. So they would have listened to it by now on the power of the subconscious mind. And we go really deep on this because, again, it always comes back to what are the deep beliefs that people have, you know, that are causing yeah. these behaviors. Absolutely. So I'm with you on that one. It's always about what you believe. So it's what you believe about yourself. It's what you believe about yourself and the world around you and what you believe about yourself in that world. Mm-hmm. So what about yeah. what about um, sugar? Why is sugar so addictive and what can we do to break that addiction? Yeah, it's a hard one. <laughs> this is this is a tough one. I mean, First of all, it's inflammatory. So it's it's literally a toxin to the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more you eat, the more you crave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the more you eat of sugar itself and its substitutes, for the most part, the more you crave as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, the more you have uh, sugar substitutes, um, like on a regular basis, you find that you go from not being able to have a sliver of cake, you, you want it becomes a hunky cake and then a half a cake <laughs> right? because because you're talking about consuming something that you thought were, was good for you, but that's six to 10 times sweeter than sugar. Mm. And so now you're, you know, there are brain chemicals, serotonin and dopamine that it re- releases. So when people run to sugar in times of trouble or when they crave it, um, even subconsciously, uh, mm-hmm. it's because it makes you feel good. That's yep. why it's so addictive. No, right? seriously. So when you when you release when you talk about something that releases feel good brain chemicals, you know this isn't you. <laughs> this is this is just the nature of the beast. Mm. So um, the fact that the beast is so inflammatory and toxic to the body, we have to cut it out um, in in every way possible. Uh, for women, no more than six grams of added sugar a day. For men, no more than nine grams of added sugar a day. That's the recommendation, not just for me, but from the American Heart Association and other leading authorities. So, and you're talking um, about six have- grams on a package, like like yep. six. Gr- and you know that's that. I mean, I think the people listening are like, that sounds impossible. So, like, how do I know, I know. <laughs> because what it means is what it means is. Uh, for your snack, you want to go to fruit yeah. first before you go to candy or ice cream or whatever. Um, because that's added sugar that I'm talking about. I mean, there's sugar in fruit. If you wanted ice cream and you're trying to lose weight, let's for, say, for example, why not make banana and ice cream? Why not make your ice cream out of bananas with some almond milk? You know, yeah. pulse it in a blender and boom, you, and you get the consistency of ice cream. Yeah. You still had something sweet, but it was healthier for you. Yeah, no, that's a big thing that I do. And I hope everyone is taking note of that, which is like, find a substitution, like, don't just yeah. go straight for a Snickers bar or the brownie, whatever. Oh you can you can make, honestly, you can even make a raw vegan brownie that actually is made straight from fruit and gives you the same, mm-hmm. the same feeling. You know what I mean? 
versus yeah, eating yeah. the same. So it's it's just finding different ingredients as well and substituting out. Yeah. That's one thing for sure. Um, so that takes some effort. It takes some effort, but it's not impossible, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that likes, you know, should be. Uh, um, you, you can never have another chocolate chip cookie for the rest of your life. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying check your sugar consumption. I, I really want you to cut added sugar to the greatest extent possible because um, as you age, as you get older, mm-hmm. um, you will find that. Your knees start hurting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What well, 75% of people 50 and older have a torn meniscus and most are asymptomatic. Wow. Okay. Yes. And so, uh, and if you don't work out, if you're a woman and you don't work out um, from age 35 on, you don't pick up some weights and really strengthen your frame and strengthen your muscles, muscles and all that. You're, the sugar thing is going to hit. It's going to, you know, at, like at one moment, you will have a moment that crashes you down. Mm, mm, you mm. see what I mean? You will have a moment that breaks you down. Mine was, um, I went to pet the dog. I went down on the floor to pet my dog. And all of a sudden, I, I like fell to the floor. Oh, no. And yeah, I fell to the floor. It turns out I did have a torn meniscus. Didn't know it. Wow. But I could think I could literally think back to the day, the moment that I believe it, it became torn. Wow. I was on the dance floor. And I, my first date with my husband. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down. <laughs> oh that, man. Know, that ended kinda horribly. It was hilarious, but not so much. Yeah. So Oh wow. Yeah. So the thing is, it can happen. And I work out and I do use weights. You know, I have weight trained, you know, for the over 25 years now. So the thing is, it's something that you have to do. You start losing muscle from the time you're 35. You know this. Yeah. So it's we have to we have to use use your own body weight or use free weights. But you really do have to strengthen your frame because you're going to pay for it later if you don't. Wow. That's good. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. do you believe a diet is one size fits all? No, I don't. Why not? I don't. I, because people have too much too, varying body chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. You also have varying lifestyles, of course, you know, uh, so it's about your, your own chemistry, your individual chemistry. And it's also about your, um, the way you live your life. You have to, if you're going to, whatever your diet is, it should fit into your real life the way you are. And you shouldn't have to change into another life in order to do this particular diet. Yeah, no, that makes meal sense. Plan, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it ought to fit your real life and it should be consistent with what works best for you. And and it needs to also be consistent with whatever your body chemistry requires. Mm, mm, yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing I always find myself re-educating clients about is how to read labels. Let's talk a little bit Mm. about, um, because when it comes to emotional eating and sugar cravings and all this stuff, sometimes people will go binge certain things, like they'll binge diet foods or low-fat foods or fat-free foods. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about those and what we need to know about navigating those labels? Yeah. First of all, we do need to read them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, we absolutely need to read them. And we also need to know going into this that a lot of them are bogus (laughs) because... Mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of the language on labels that, you know, the marketers use, the people use to sell food, they, they use bogus language. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even for, even for sugar, they use bogus things like, oh, oh, something is, lightly sweetened <laughs> like what what is that mean, supposed to mean like right. lightly sweetened i mean i mean that could be defined a, a million different ways by a million different people so what's lightly sweetened what's um uh, their buzzwords like oh natural flavor honey. oh my gosh that's a huge that's one that's a huge one they can hide so many natural things natural flavorings and that na- because natural flavorings hide all kinds of dangerous chemicals yeah do uh, you know what I mean? So you don't natural flavors and natural colors. Um, and, and the word natural itself is, is a big one for me because mm. most people, most consumers see natural as good. The interpretation on the unlearned, the untrained eye um, is that, Oh, natural is good. Well, my response is always, you know, um, tobacco and the poppy are also natural, but you see what they made with those. <laughs> right. So yeah, so it's just it's it's imperative that we read labels and and educate ourselves as to what they mean, so that we know that sugar in all forms. If something ends in an O S E, believe it, it's a sugar. Mm, mm. Yeah. No, that's good. Um. So what what would you say for the last question? I want to say what would you say are your maybe your top three nutrition tips? Like, if I'm someone who just wants to try to figure out how to create a great diet, and I really have no clue. Where do I begin? Well, I think you have to begin with the goal. So you want to create a great diet, but what is a diet for? Is it to um, eat healthier so that you can have a healthier body? Um, is it to lose weight toward that end? Um, and I say toward that end because to lose weight just because you want to get into a size six dress for your cousin Brenda's wedding next week, that's not going to last. Um, <laughs> so. You know, so what's the goal? Set your intention. In other words, I believe intention is everything, Mm -hmm. right? So set your intention for what it is that you really wish to achieve. Um, And because you have to have a good reason for doing whatever it is. If you don't, it's unlikely that that thing that you're trying to do is going to stick if you don't have a good reason, right? Right. And the reason must be important to you. It can't be important to your spouse or your 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 boo or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's got to be all about you. It's got to be about you, your body, your life. Um, so set your intention and then frame the the action that you take around your real life the way it is right now. So. It could be, I'm going to go on a weight loss diet. Um, if you're going to go on a weight loss diet, how much weight are we talking about? Um, it can't just be, because I, I have people that are like, hey, I want to lose, um, I want to lose, you know, 30 pounds. Yet, there's no step that I've taken up to this moment <laughs> that leads <laughs> me in this direction. You right. know what I mean? I want to lose 30 pounds. Oh, yeah. And I want to do it over the next three weeks because I have a goal. I have a place I need to be. And I'm like, no, this is really not going to work. Right. Um, and it's, it's clearly not going to work for you long term. So make sure you have a, you have a goal. You have a, you set your intention. You have a realistic goal. Um, make sure you have a plan that supports it. Mm-hmm. Because, so that they go to, you, you, you're going to see a nutritionist, um, you, me, whoever, but you're going to get somebody to help you with this, to help mm-hmm. craft your plan for you. 
Um, because, you know, if you set out without a plan, you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then commit, be committed to the process. So whatever the process is that you're going to walk out for this plan, commit to it. You know, people want you people like you and I to help them with plans that they don't commit to. It's as if you could do the work for them. And that's impossible. <laughs> right. Right, right. right. So you know that go into it with your your intention set, with realistic goals, um, have a plan and then commit to the process. You owe it to yourself to do so. Awesome. So if you decide I want to I want to get I want to put together a healthy diet. Know that you're doing it for you and you deserve the very best available for yourself. You deserve the best. So commit yourself to the best. And then demand that demand the best not only from others but from yourself. That's good stuff. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Rowe. Where can people find you online? Everythingrow.com. Everything ro.com. Um, and uh, all of my social is there. On Instagram, I'm everything row. On Twitter, I'm everything row. On Facebook, I'm one Dr. Rowe. Just the number one. D-R-R-O, all lower caps. But go to my, go to my website um, and sign up for my free stuff and get more of what we talked about here and then some. All right, y'all heard it. Thank you so much, Dr. Rowe. Appreciate you. Always a pleasure. You know I love you. <laughs> love you too. Okay, y'all, it's time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM or respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. The first question is from Wendy via email. She says, Dear Raw Girl, what are some practices I can use to get my emotional eating under control? Hey girl, hey. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked this question. As you may know, I struggled with emotional eating many years ago and I've seen a lot of clients dealing with these issues. So I just want to first off let you know that you are not alone. Um, Some basic things that I would love you to try include practicing mindful eating. What that means is that you don't eat while you're multitasking, working, watching TV, or driving. You stop, you set up a sacred eating place, a sacred plate, and you make sure that you have the space and time to really enjoy your food and properly chew and process each bite. To take this even further, if you're someone who tends to eat super fast, I want you to also put your fork down in between every single bite and focus in on chewing. When you're doing it, it can feel like a lot, but what it does is it slowly changes how you relate to food and also improves your digestion because you're assimilating better, you're chewing better, etc. In addition to this, whenever you feel the urge to binge, I want you to journal, phone a friend, or do some physical activity to release pent-up emotions. 
What you need to start learning how to do is get to the root of what you're actually feeling instead of using the food to avoid your emotions. This is really, really key and a big part of how you heal emotional eating. Last but not least, I want you to get support. Join an Overeaters Anonymous group if you can, or find a good therapist or nutritionist to work with through these issues, and also just help you slowly but surely reclaim your relationship with food. When you're going through this process, it's really important that you do not diet. You should be eating whole, nourishing foods, but not counting your calories or severely restricting yourself because that tends to trigger binging. I really hope this helps you, and I am wishing you all the best on your health journey. All right, y'all, that's all she wrote for today's show. I really, really hope that this show has inspired you to take a good look at your sugar consumption and also given you some actual tangible tips to kick that habit if you're an addict (laughs) and also curb emotional eating. Sugar ages us rapidly and also can prevent us from thinking clearly and showing up in the world as our best selves because it can cause emotional roller coasters. So by freeing yourself from hitting that sugar, you're freeing yourself up to be a more productive, healthy, and happy version of you. Remember, every single substance we consume causes a chain reaction effect in our body. In essence, all food is information. We can give our bodies good information or we can give it poor information and suffer the consequences. In the words of Alison Rose, in minds crammed with thoughts, organs clogged with toxins, and bodies stiffened with neglect. There's no space for anything else. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips, need one-on-one support, or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show, visit our website, stayingagelessshow.com.